Welcome to the podcast of Dr. Michael Jacobs. We believe today's message will help you walk in faith and have victory now. Hallelujah. I want to, I'm not starting to preach right now, I want to fill you in a little bit. And uh, let me find my material here. And also I wanted to say something about my wife. She wrote some stuff for me to say. You know how wives can do that for you. How many know that? You husbands be smart to say amen when I say stuff like that. No, my wife, she's just smarter than me and she's really a sweet lady and really a blessing to my life in so many ways. So anyway, let me get organized a little bit. We wanted to, first of all, I wanted to say that um, I had the staff put out some of my books. They're all free back there. I paid for them, but I mean, you can, if you want one of those books or you want one of everything back there, they're yours free to take. And even if you, you know, if you already have them, maybe you don't need to take one. But I would like to make things available that help keep you focused on healing. You know, you could know a lot in the Bible and still die real easy if you didn't know how to be healed. Little things trip people up. But we're going to talk about that and get things straightened out a lot more. Then I wanted to mention this is a book that we put together recently. We have the blue sheets back there, whatever color they are, white. And they're, it's just an elaborate thing like this. But this keeps me focused. You know, it's got several translations of every verse that we put in here. Actually, the Millers, Pastor Jeff and Christine, uh, which I go to their church uh, usually every year. I've known them for 20 years probably. They had this in the same format. And I said, would you mind if I took that and I didn't sell this, but I put my own cover on it? And so, you know, of course, Sean, he's smart. He put, you know, it was compiled by the Millers ministry, published by them. It wasn't my deal. But he said, you sure can. So I give these away in all my meetings. And stuff like that. And I think I sent one to my partners. I think I had a thousand printed initially. We'll probably get another thousand or two coming up. But all of these books are free. These on the table for this one meeting. Everything. Now I, I'm going to say this. You know I'm not a technical person, but if you can get on your phone or a, mm, a device, uh, if you can find me, I've got about 160 messages on there on the podcast. They're free to listen to at any time. I probably got. I'm going to guess and say eight to ten series on healing, all dealing with different things. You know, some, you can know it's God's will to heal you and then let Job mess you up because you've been taught wrong. Or how about Paul's thorn? Or how about any of the stuff like that that people want to argue with those of us who know better now? Yeah, we're going to, anyway. So this is all just free stuff. I just wanted to get it in your hands if you want it. It'll help you. You know, if you're not focused, you just be whatever. That's my opinion. And I determined a long time ago I was never going to go a day in my life without thinking about my faith. So I made it a purposeful thing in my life. I don't know everything about the Bible, but I do know how to believe God. And you, I started where everybody starts at the beginning. Okay, so if you just listen, you can learn something from that. But if you don't do it, you never get there. You just keep going to the same little gambit, you know, and that's it. And you limited yourself. But the Bible says, you know, we're not to limit God. I wanted to tell you all that in this church and others that are here tonight. I don't know who all is here. I didn't look around, but I'm looking now. 
that have prayed for my wife recently, I appreciate it. We appreciate it, both of us. And if you think you have something from God that you think we need to know about, you could call Donna and give her some information. And we'll decide whether we, she wants to pass it along to me or it's just silliness. <laughs> but, you know, if you have something that you really think is God, I, I'm, I'm just saying we're willing to look at it. But really, you know, you don't need no one thing in this, and that's it's God's will to heal you, and it's God's will to heal you right now. Okay. Sometimes we put a different label on certain diseases, and I don't say, I'm not blaming the medical profession. I'm blaming all the secular, non-spiritual people for doing that to us, your relatives, other preachers, seminaries, nonsense. Yeah, and that just makes everything harder for those that don't understand what we know. Yeah. Yeah. I guarantee you there's a lot of people in this city and every city in America and the world don't know what some of us know. They're still struggling with how to get it, how to pay their rent. That should have got settled a long time ago if you've been with God for a long time. Anyway. So let's go first of all. This has to do with Diana, what I'm talking to you about now, my wife. You should know that. Romans chapter 1. I want to go over here and I put this scripture to this because she wanted to write out something from her uh, about her and me. We've been, we just got out of the hospital today, 10 o'clock in the morning. Uh, so we've been back in the hospital because of problems with some chemo stuff that drops your white cell count to zero or below, which is not very healthy. You're, you don't have any defense if your immune systems, your white cells are depleted. And a lot of times that's what chemo does. I'm not a doctor. I don't, I'm sure there's different kinds of chemo, but I just know my wife, she had a temperature of 103 this week, and I said, I'm calling a chemo nurse. And I called her, and she said, bring her in. You need to come in right away. When listed some of the symptoms. So, But anyway, we appreciate you praying for her. And you can always pray in tongues. If you don't know enough of the Bible to pray the Bible... I would to God you did know enough to pray the Bible, but and some of you do, and some of you know more or less, depending on what you've learned and been taught and practiced. If you don't practice it, it won't help you much in the crisis. I'm going to talk to you tonight about that. And this is a meeting on healing, so that's the strategic way I'm going. I've never preached this message like this before. Brand new message. I just finished it this afternoon. And I've had a lot of time to think about it. But anyway, let's look here at Romans chapter 1. Uh, and let's see where I want to start here. Romans chapter 1. And, uh, you know, I think I gave her the wrong reference. That's not right. It's over in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. I may have told her Romans, so I'll, get, I'll take the brunt of my mistake. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8 through 11. For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble... Paul said he had some trouble, which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure. Honey, that's pressed. When you're pressed out of measure, out of your measure, you're out there in some other land. Uh, and the enemy's having a heyday trying to. You don't have to let him. You're in authority. You have more authority than he's ever had. All right. But anyway, let's just read this. Uh, because some people think we just tiptoe through the tulips, through life and you know, stuff like that. And it can be that way, but you're going to have to learn how to deal with the enemy. Yeah. You've got to be tougher on the inside than you look on the outside. Because yes. that's what he's afraid of, your faith yes. and your dominion. Yes. The dominion is never released except through words. 
and your actions. So he said, we were pressed out a measure above strength. <laughs> That's out there. Inasmuch that we despaired even of life, but we had the sentence of death in ourselves. And the footnote from the Greek says we had the answer of death in ourselves. The answer is speaking to it. But I'm going to read on that we should not trust in ourselves. And that's the problem too. Many people try to trust in themselves, but you're no match for stuff that's of the spiritual realm, just of yourself, of your flesh. Your flesh can't stand up to that. That's why you've got to get the word in you. It's, Jesus said, my words are spirit. And they're like, no, don't take this time away from my teaching. This has to do with Pastor Diane and I going through this time. He says, uh, didn't trust in myself, but in God, which raiseth the dead. That's as far as you can go, honey. You can raise the dead. That's all the way to death. And then you spring back into life. Who delivered us, I love verse 10, who delivered us from so great a death, we've been delivered, and doth deliver us currently, in whom we trust that he will yet deliver us future. And then the first part of verse, uh, chapter, verse 11, you also helping together by prayer for us. So I wanted to thank you all that have prayed. I hope everybody's prayed, uh, you know, uh, but if you have, I appreciate it. And Diana wanted to thank you and I wanted to thank you too. And maybe you don't know everything and I don't know everything either. I just know what I know. But uh, she said, just got home from the hospital today. She wrote this today, wanted me to read it verbatim. I said, Diana had a treatment last week, uh, chemo. After several days, she was feeling worse than normal. Her fever Wednesday went up to 103. So Thursday, we called, uh, and they said uh, they, they needed to come in immediately and admit her because the blood count was extremely low. So they did what they do for that reason, and she was getting better slowly. We thought we'd be home no later than Saturday, uh, but we got home today about 11 o'clock. Uh, she got a text message, and let me say this before I redress this. This deals with a couple people that put a text message to us over the phone. And, uh, and that's not to say that other people haven't done the same and it's been meaningful, but these are the two she mentioned. Sherry Jansen on Friday at 10, 10.42 texted her with a verse quickened to her that, that morning, she says, Luke 22.32, Jesus prayed for Peter, I have made supplication or prayer for thee that thy faith would not fail. And that is my prayer for you, Pastor Diana. So her, her faith's not failing. Of course, we believe that too, but it's nice somebody else picked that up. Amen. And then the next day, we got a text message on Saturday at 1110. And it says, hello, Pastor Diana. We just wanted to let you know we were, Liz and, Liz and uh, Joe, we were thinking of you and praying for your speedy recovery. Matthew 18, uh, Matthew 8, 14 and 15 from the Passion Bible. Then Jesus entered Peter's home and found Peter's mother-in-law bedridden, severely ill with a fever. And that was a big thing for them. Not only was her white cell all down, but she had a fever, which means there's some kind of infection going on because you've got nothing to fight it with if you're going to have white cells and T cells. I know a little bit about some of that. <laughs> and, uh, and so the moment Jesus touched her hand, the scripture says she was healed. Immediately she got up, she got up and began to make dinner for them. Much love to Joe and Liz. Well, what is interesting is I think I was in the bathroom, and when I came out, she was reading this to me. Joe and Liz's text about Jesus touched her hand. But when she said that word hand, the anointing jumped through my right hand. And I went, immediately went to her bed and laid hands on her and prayed for her. And there was an anointing there. 
Now, you need to know how to operate both ways. I operate by faith, whether I feel anything or not, because I know about faith. I don't have to have a feeling. I don't have a buzz or electricity flowing through me or hot honey poured on me. I just do it by faith, and it works really well. But I have an endowment, too. And that somehow that word hand, that anointing jumped into my right hand, which is predominant hand. And then I laid hands on her, and, she, and it began to turn from that moment on. So we're just really thrilled that... that <laughs> we got that text. And if you've sent a text to us, we appreciate them all, and they've all helped us. So we just want you to know that. So tonight I want to talk to you about divine healing. And I want you to go with me to Hebrews chapter 4. And I'm, I'm seeing how far I can go with this. It's 551. No, it's not. It's 633. <laughs> I'm reading the wrong thing back here. <laughs> Hallelujah. Uh, Hebrews 4 says this, and, and what I did this on this teaching, I just kind of picked some things out as I was meditating on it that people need to know about being healed. It's not like a typical healing message, but it's a healing message. I say here before we read Hebrews 4, it's not always a matter of faith in your getting delivered from sickness and disease, but of obedience to the word. Maybe you do have faith, but your disobedience to the word in some area is putting you in jeopardy. Mm -hmm. Okay. You see, here's another thing. Forgiveness is vital. Listen, you have to walk every day and begin to forgive people. I say it this way. I like to say it this way. I've always been quick to repent when I missed it. And I've always been quick to forgive you and all the other people when they missed it towards me. And the third thing I'm adding to that now, I've got another part to it. I've always been quick to believe God. But if you do those three things, you're going to be a lot further than most of humanity on the planet, trust me. But people just hold grievances and resentments and bitterness and mad about it, want to tell you all about it and what they did to you and how they said that. Man, I've been lied on by the best of them. I know what that feels like. It's not present, but you just got to forgive them. Now, just add a little side thought to that. You know, I've been strong in deliverance for many years. Brother Dale sitting over here. Dale, remember this back in Otisco, would bring, we'd offer invitation, then we'd take them in the back and pray over them privately. Not that we were ashamed, but sometimes he got involved, so we told everybody else, go home, we're going to deal with these people. And I'm not going to give the lady's name, but Dale, you were with me, and I commanded the devil come out of her, and that devil came right out, and he jumped right back in her. And I said, so-and-so, her name wasn't Mary, but I'll just call her that. Mary, what's the matter with you? What do you mean? I said, you got something against somebody because the devil came out, but he had permission to get back in because you're holding a grudge against somebody. No, I'm not. I said, yes, you are. Now, you either shape up and be honest or just leave now because I ain't got time to fool with you. I know what I know, but the Holy Ghost showed me. And you know, she, I led her in a prayer. You remember that deal? I led her in a prayer. And guess what? That devil just walked out of her again. I didn't have to say get out. He had to go then. Wow. See, unforgiveness will mess you up. No, it'll mess you up. Yeah. And so I saw that thing. And then we went to Tell City, Dale and I. This guy asked us to pray for his wife. She was in the praise team. My goodness, I don't know why. She was so depressed. She, nobody should have let her on that platform. You know, we're not asking you to act like everything's great, but at least you ought to look like it when you're up there singing to us. 
How many know what I'm saying? Yes, so her husband asked me, I've been going there for two or three years, asked me one, it was on a Friday night, I think, if I'd pray for her after service. I said, sure, as long as you're there. And I, the pastor doesn't have a problem with it. You got to go check with him. And he said, well, I will. And he came back and said, yeah, he said, that's fine, and I'll be with you. So we prayed for this lady. And man, we were just really getting with it and praying, come out in Jesus' name, and nothing was happening. See, you know, I don't think you realize some people, they play a bigger part in their role of deliverance and healing, sometimes at least an equal role, I would say, to the person ministering to them, and they don't even realize that. So finally I said, okay, Dale, let's just pray in tongues a little bit. We just started praying in tongues, and Dale picked it up. He said, you've got resentment against somebody, lady. That's why you can't get delivered. And I think she argued with you too for a minute. I have not. I'm not that way. And she, he said, yes, you are. I said, listen, lady, we got an hour and a half drive back home. And if you really want to be set free, we'll pray for you. But I'm not going to stay here another hour and beg you to do what you should do already. And finally, she repented. Dale led her in a prayer, and she got delivered. Now, in both those situations, it was unforgivable. What she was mad about is they had a, I think it was a pastor they had, and she liked this pastor, and they fired him. And she's a member of that church, so she's, got, she's entitled now to her opinion. And she didn't like them getting rid of him because she just thought he was great. I don't know anything about it. I'm just telling you what she told us. And we said, well, you're going to have to give it up if you're going to be a good Christian. You're going to continue to get entangled with the devil, and he's going to tear up your life even further. Your husband's the one that came to me that asked me to pray for you. That must mean that you're a problem at home, too. Everybody wants to be prayed for until I get real blunt with them. Amen. All right. Amen. So, so anyway, there was two people that couldn't get delivered because they were in unforgiveness, bitterness towards other people. But boy, it showed on this platform, I'm telling you. I thought they need a cane to hook her and get her off of there. <laughs> you think I'm making that up. You don't know me. Uh, many are in uh, habits of worrying. You're going to have to get rid of worry. I want to talk further about that later in the meeting. Let me see what else I have here. I like this. Um, you've got to learn to uh, cast down things that are against you, that come to your mind. 2 Corinthians 10, I've got time to read it. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5, casting down imaginations. Things that come against your mind that come from the devil. Out here he's throwing those darts at you. And you've got to learn to cast those down. And we're talking about sickness and disease. So here's the big thing. If you want to live, that's half the battle. And I wrote, uh, do you want to live? How big is your want to? So you have to fight a little bit, you know, sometimes normally. And here's another thought I had today. <clears throat> Just because you go to a word church doesn't make you a word person. You better get that straight. Well, I go to a word church. Well, so what? <laughs> I got a car that sits in my garage, but don't go anywhere without me. I can go out there and sit. It don't make me a car because I'm sitting in the garage. Okay, just thought you. Here's something else you got to figure out. Hope is not a good receiver. I sure hope so. Now, you may not say that around me because you know I've taught you about that, and I might rebuke you and say, what's up the hope with there? I tried to teach you better than that. Hope is not faith, and faith is not hope. But hope in itself is not a good receiver. Faith is a good receiver. 
Have faith to believe. I'm getting deeper in it as we go tonight. I've heard people say, well, I sure hope so. I said, well, it didn't come in the past. If you're hoping, I can tell you, guarantee it. All right. So let's begin the Hebrews 4 here. Talking about being healed and staying healed. And you know, you learn little by little. Let me be honest. I've been in this a long time. This coming December, 50 years of being saved. Of course, several first five or six years, you know, were good, but not near like it became when I got spirit filled and learned something. And really, unfortunately, the pastor I had back then, he loved me. That was sweet. And he believed in me when I was a, you know, ex-hippie. I had long hair and a beard. I looked like, I don't know, not Indiana Jones. What's that guy up in the woods there? (laughs) Men of Alaska or something, you know. (laughs) But he believed in me and encouraged me to go to Bible school, which I appreciate that. But they didn't teach anything that I teach here hardly. Then I went to seminary, and they just about destroyed my faith. Tried to. You know, anyway. So what I'm saying is you got to stay with the program. you got to deal with things. I had to deal with something for 14 years one time. I'm, I'm embarrassed to tell you that, but I'm just honest enough to tell you that. And I've had God tell me to dump my medicine out and forget it and never go back, and I've had him told me to go to the drugstore and get a certain medicine and take it because you need it, Michael. You're not in faith. I was smart enough to listen in both those cases. That's another thing you're going to have to You're going to have to find God's plan for you to be healed. And you know what, what Pastor Parker needs to be healed and Amzi needs to be healed? It might be similar but different. He might have an issue with something that he don't have the issue with. And he's got something he don't have and whatever. I, I'm not blaming him. But I'm just saying, listen to what I'm saying. You've got to find your path of victory. And you can't, you just, that's the problem with the body of Christ. We just run to everybody and get an opinion. And unfortunately, most people don't know what they're talking about. To give a good opinion, they give an opinion, but it's not good and it don't help. Okay. You know, remember Peter and John, you know, Jesus talking, I think it was to Peter in the latter part of John's gospel, 21 chapter. If you love me, feed my sheep. Yeah, but what's he going to do? And I'm paraphrasing. Jesus says, no, your business, what he's going to do. You just follow me, Peter. He's always got his foot stuck in his mouth. I, I don't know what's wrong with him. But he got spirit-filled and turned out good and did it all he should have done. Anyway, you listening to me? Yes, yeah. Uh, let's look here at Hebrews chapter 4, verse 1, 2, and 3. We're getting started more in, we're talking about healing. And I wanted to read this. Let us therefore fear... Least a promise being left us of entering into his rest. So there is a promise for us. We see it in chapter 4 and some of chapter 3. I'm not going to read both the chapters. But there is a promise of coming into God's rest. But he said, uh, many, any of you should seem to come short of it. They never entered in. And this is why. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. Now listen, he's not playing. That's not gospel light, church. You know, a lot of churches are gospel-like and the TV guys and all that, you know, make it appear a certain way. But unto us was the gospel preached. He talked about the gospel of Jesus Christ was preached to them as well as unto them, but the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. Man, if you don't mix your faith with what you're hearing, it won't ever work for you. Well, how do I mix it? You talk it and you think it and you meditate it. Listen, until it becomes a part of you. 
You remember in the Gospel of John, I think it's chapter 1, maybe about verse uh, 14, 15, 16, 17, the Word became flesh. So whatever in our flesh is weak, whatever in our flesh is lacking, that makes us sick or infirm or frail, or you could put a lot of words there, the Word will have to take the place of that to get your, it becomes your flesh in that area. And we're not preaching against doctors. If you need help, get it. I would, just, I would just add this addendum on it. I would try to find somebody that you know loves God or at least pretends to know God and you think they might have some kind of relationship with him. I wouldn't like somebody fooling with my body or my, anything about me that doesn't know God and, doesn't, and thinks he's, he's just that smart or she's that smart. Not against doctors at all, and I've never preached against them. But you just, just my opinion, you just need to go to somebody you trust to have some kind of rapport with and different things like that. You know, the doctor that's doctoring my wife now, I asked her, I said, are you born again, doctor? She said, yes, I am. I said, well, tell me about it. She said, well, when I was in college, I got saved, and I, and I asked Jesus what I was to do with my life, and he told me he wanted me to be a surgeon. So that's what she is. And I said, well, I'm a preacher. But since you said that, I would like to lay hands on you and pray for you since you're going to lay your hands on my wife to do very delicate surgery with her. Amen. Would that be all right? And she could have said, no, you can go, you know, go somewhere, but, you know, not heaven. But she didn't do that. She'd let go of the door handle. She was getting ready to leave the room when I first approached her about that. She turned around and came got a chair and sat by me and gave me her hand. Then I got done, she stood up and said, man, what was that? That felt good. I said, that's the Holy Ghost. And I, I said, I don't know if you understand that, but let me say, put it in your lingo. If you're in there doing surgery and God told you to do something than you normally thought you should do, would you do it? What he said? Yeah. I said, well, then that's what we want. I'm sure you're a very good doctor. We wouldn't be here. For, you know, and we appreciate because God's anointing people to help us, and I think you're one of them. Amen. All right. Verse 3, for we which have believed, this is the key, we which have believed do enter into rest. So when you believe you can enter into rest, we're not talking about taking a nap. We're talking about entering into the rest of God on the scriptures. We're settling it in the scriptures. We're resting on the scriptures. What God said to us can be a certain way that is not that way right now. And in a lot, most cases, it don't look like it's ever going to change. If you're listening to me, I can help you tonight. You're going to have to stay with it. You know, you stay with it. And just keep on doing what you, and entering into that rest. And Anyway, just, uh, but we've got to learn to mix our faith. Faith is mixed by this words out of your mouth. When Jordan's teaching on the Holy Ghost, now he's teaching on faith, both great topics. You've got to say something about it with your own mouth, not just his mouth telling you what it is or what it could be. You've got to pick that up in your spirit. And began to look the scriptures, you know, Monday through Saturday, not just wag in here with your Bible, haven't paid attention to it all week, haven't had. Let me tell you the most important thing you can, I can tell you about healing. You've got to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. <laughs> you can read the Bible until you're just as dry as an old cob and not get nothing because you don't have a good relationship with Jesus. He'll help you through that. <laughs> wow. 
All right, let's go to James. We're, we're close by. Go to the right, just a couple more pages. James chapter 1. Are you getting anything yet? Yes. We got a lot to cover, but we got ample time to do it. And I will pray for you when I'm finished, if you want me to, for whatever the issue is for you. You know, it could be, you know, I'm not going to say things, you know, but you could have some disease that's going to, you're going to be here in six months or something. I'm not putting that on you. I'm just giving you an illustration. Or maybe you just got a headache or your ankle bothers you, your knee or your spine or your ears acting up or whatever. You see, there's a big difference in the variance of those two. But whatever is large or small, God wants you well. He wants you healed. And give me some time to teach you something so we can get, I'm trying to get you and I in faith together in this moment where we could get the best out of what he has. So this one, because we started with Hebrews about receiving to enter into his rest. That's done by believing or having faith. So I'm going to share with you right now just a few things here. How do you receive? How does a believer receive something? So let's, it's here in James chapter 1. First, let's start in verse 5, James 1, 5. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God and give it to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. Now, we're talking about healing, but it could be anything that you lack, you don't have the wisdom of God about. But let's say you're having symptoms and they're not diminishing, they're increasing. Then you better find out what you need to do. Either change your diet, either get some exercise, repent over something you're doing or not doing. I mean, I will sure, but Jesus says you could ask him for wisdom. Amen. Yeah. Ask him for wisdom. And it says that, and he doesn't, he doesn't put you down because you're asking like he's, uh, he's not hurting you. He's not making fun of you. You're asking in faith. It says here, and it shall be given him, but let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. Father, I got this issue. I want to know what you, how do, how do I handle that? And I've never had him said it's none of your business. He's never acted like that with me. He talks sweetly to me. I mean, there's have been times I got rebuked a few times and he wasn't so sweet about it. If you keep doing this, you know, even like with giving the church to my son, I don't mean like just giving him the church, but coming into a place where he could pastor. The Lord said, you can't keep doing what you're doing, Michael, and you know what I've called you to do. And that was being a prophet. And so he said, you know, this isn't going to work if you don't stop it. I said, okay, I got you. So then I went to Jordan and said, I think it's time for you to be the pastor. And I know you're called to be a pastor. And he's done a great job. Especially as a young man, I've been proud of him as a dad. You know, let me just say that. Proud of both my kids. Yeah. You've got to learn to deal with your life and you've got to learn to not let the devil take you out of being the believer you should be because if something happened, you didn't understand why it went that way and you're all mad about it. Come on, Come amen. On. That's good. And you're offended at God, you're offended at me because I've told you how to get out of it and then you screwed it up and you didn't get out of it and it just got worse. So I'm telling you the truth, but you've got to be committed to figure this out with me. If any of you lack wisdom, ask of God, should I marry that woman or not? Should I take that job or not? I didn't ask you about the salary. I just asked God, should I do that? <laughs> I haven't always been 
as keen a spirit as I am today, but still yet I've missed it a few times. And I just say, Father, I'm sorry. But I'm, and sometimes I'll ask him that and I, I don't get an immediate response, but he will respond to me. Amen. I can have a, I hate to use the word of feeling, that it's kind of misleading for humans because we want to feel everything. But something down in here says, well, don't do that. Or he says, do that. And I'm thinking, that's the dumbest thing I ever heard of. You know, in my natural carnal mind. Not my spirit, but my spirit's going, yeah, 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 that's what I need to do. I know he told me to do that. You remember the lady I just told you about, Mary, the make-believe? She's a real person. That's not a real name. Mary, I'm not got all day to fool with you. Either repent and tell us what's going on or just go on home because I can't help you because you're in unforgiveness. And she, I, say, I think she thought just getting tough back with me was going to make me relent. No, I'm serious. You need to go on home if you're going to try to play with my time. I got several people here besides you that need ministry, and I haven't got time to stay here all night because of you. Yeah. If you want free, I can get you free. If you don't want free, go on home. Yeah. Amen. You can still come to church as long, as long as you don't cause me trouble, but you're still going to be bound until you fix that. Do you really say that? I really said it. <laughs> and I wasn't going to take it back because I knew down here I was right. If you don't know you're right, you better watch what you say to people. But anyway, let him ask in faith, faith nothing wavering, for he that wavers like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. Everybody's seen oceans and the rivers and waves flopping around. But let not that man that's wavering, he asks God, then he wavers, he don't believe that God hurt him, or he wavers, he doesn't be open to receive from him. Maybe you just won't get quiet enough to listen. You know, if it's important to you, you'll spend time in prayer to figure that out. And I'm not trying to be a smart alley, but God's not a deaf mute. He's speaking all the time if you have an ear to hear it. You just got your, your mind is so confused because you're just so active, but not active in this, just active in the world. So I'm just trying to help you. This is how you get healed. This is how you stay healed. But you can't believe you're going to receive. Verse 7, let not that man that wavers think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man or woman, a person, is unstable in all his ways. Yeah. So you've got to settle it. You've got to ask God in faith without wavering and move toward it. Let's go to Romans chapter 4 and look at a man that knew how to do that. And I'm being honest with you, it takes time sometimes to get all this put together correctly where you can see it, but I'm just teaching you line upon line tonight, (laughs) trying to share with you what I think is essential. Yeah. Here we are in Romans 4, and let's just, let me go back, I was going to read from 16 on, but let me go back here to uh, 12. Romans 4 and 12, and the father, talking about Abraham, the father of the circumcision to them who are not of the circumcision only, but who also walk in the steps of that faith of our father Abraham, which he had yet being uncircumcised. So he's saying, forget about the law now, just walk after the steps that Abraham took to walk by faith. He's going to lay them out to us in verse 16 through 21 here. So 16 says, therefore it is a faith 
that it might be by grace or God's ability to the end the promise that he's made to us or promises we might say might be sure to all the seed. That's us. Not to that only which is of the law, but to that which is of the faith of Abraham, who's the father of us all. As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations before whom he believed, even God, who quickens the dead, and calleth those things which be not as though they were. Now, you know, humans, when I've taught this before, they want to argue, well, how can I call something that I can't see? Well, that's what faith is. It's calling for something God has said in his word that he's promised us. See, that's what he's talking about, promises or promise. And you begin to call for that thing that you need. Though you don't see it, you don't feel it, it doesn't look like it's coming to pass. But if it's faith and it's based on his promise, the word of God is the promise. I don't know if there's 7,000, 15,000, or 150, that doesn't matter. But if I'm on a promise, that's sure and steadfast. You know, Hebrews 6 says that. All right. But he says, he calls those things which be not as though they were. I don't know if you knew that Abraham was Abram, and then he changed his name to Abraham, which means the God of Abraham. And when he began to change his name, that literal Hebrew for that is father of nations. He hadn't had a child yet when God told him he's going to change his name. You know what I'm saying? Sarah, I think, is frustrated, thinking it's his fault. And, I, you know, you read your Bible, I think it was both of his fault. So she gives her handmaiden to him, and he has the son. But it's not the promised seed, because that was to come through Sarah. <laughs> you get frustrated, and you might do things you wish you hadn't have done. Not just a pregnancy thing, but just things that people do. So you've got to begin to call for the things that you don't have so that you can have it. A better way to say that from the Greek, I had to take Greek, is he's calling for things that are not yet seen as if they are, and they become. They become that for you. They become that for me. Because why? I'm basing what I'm saying on a promise of God, not on something a secular man thought about. Or something a senator says, or something my president says, or something some other preacher said that's not based on the word. I'm basing on the word what I'm saying and I'm saying that, and it's beginning to change the way I live. I have a supply. I was saying that when it didn't look like I had enough to buy a pair of shoes. But I just stayed with it. Remember I told you one time it took me six months to believe for a pair of $29 shoes. I spend more than that in two days at Starbucks if I go. You can, you know, I'm not bragging. I'm just saying I got some money, and I can do that if I want to do it. And then I bought an airplane 35 years later for almost $300,000. Same man. Just my faith had grown. Same man. Lived in a dump that was torn down by the county called a parsonage. I didn't complain about it. I just lived there and dealt with the mice, dealt with the roaches, and dealt with all the stupid people sometimes in the town. That wanted to ridicule me and persecute me. Because the church started out of a church split from the Methodist, I found out later. So those people didn't like me. It didn't matter, didn't matter my color. didn't matter if I was smart or dumb, fat or skinny or nothing. They were mad at me. Because I was in their little ville preaching the gospel. Yeah, I mean, they went, uh, yeah, I went through some changes there. But I prevailed. Until I was ready and God said, I've got to let you go go on to do something. So anyway, one of the first things you're going to have to do is learn to call things 
What does it say? Calling those things which be not as though they were. You're not calling things that are as if they're not. That's lying. When you say, when you say I don't have bills, you're lying. You know who the father of lies are? It's the devil. Chapter 8 of John, John 8. Isn't that what Jesus said? You're of your father, the devil. Told a bunch of people. No, you're not, we're not asking you to lie. We're asking you to base what you're believing and why you're saying that on a scripture. And I would just say uh, as sweetly as I can, you don't need to tell everybody what you're believing. Because most of them want to talk you out of it. Well, who do you think you are? Well, who do you think you are? Right back at you. I'm trying to follow God and do what he told me to do. And he said to call things that be not as though they were and they will become that. And it goes for the negative people, too. You know, people say, well, you know, I can do all things. Some people say, I can't do anything right. Both of you are right. If you say you can't, you can't. If you say you can, you can. Because yeah. so whatever you're saying is what you have. And if what you have is not what you want, you better quit that saying. You better change it up. You just get the same thing over and over and over and over. How would you change your life, Michael, by what I'm teaching you right now? I didn't pay attention to other people, what they thought about it. I just, of course, I did come Brother Hagen, Brother Copeland, and later Dr. Dufresne, because I knew they knew how to believe God too. And I was called to work with Dr. Dufresne under him, you know what I mean? So you call things, and it says, who against hope believe in hope. He went beyond natural hope, and the natural was no hope. Didn't we just sing that song, something about that? Yeah, that can change things. That he might become the father of many nations. According to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. See, it's because God said that's what your seed shall be. You'll be the father of many nations. And being not weak in faith, here's another thing. You could be weak in faith because you consider everything around you, including your own body, now dead. He was talking to Abraham there. But you've got to be careful you don't consider everything. Oh, I wonder what that is. You know, my grandpa had a problem with that. My daddy had a problem with that. My uncle said, well, that's not you. You're you. Just don't, don't agree with that. Speak against it. Say, come out in Jesus' name. Leave me alone. You got to go or whatever you need to say. And you know, me and Pastor Diana, sometimes in this setting we're in now, I may lay hands on her 15 or 20 times a day. That's my prerogative. I'm the head of my house. I can do as I need to do. That's what, let me just say something about that because we're having another healing service. I think it's next Sunday night. I think that's right, isn't it, Jordan? So, you know, if you get in this line tonight and you want to come next Sunday night, don't let that keep you in your seats if you feel you need that. Yes. You got chapter verse. I got Mark chapter 8, 22 through 25, where Jesus laid hands on a guy that was blind twice. Sure. Same man didn't say he prayed once. He said he just laid hands on him. Yes. But he got it piece by piece. Yes. I know a lot of people teach different things. You know, once you believe you receive, that's true. Keep your faith activated. But sometimes it helps. You might get it. In bits and pieces. Yes. You know, it shouldn't be that way your whole life. But I mean, I'm just talking to you here. Are you listening to me? Yes, sir. Hallelujah. So he got over in supernatural hope here. And he, didn't, he wasn't weak in faith. Because he couldn't consider his body now dead. Dead to producing fruit. <laughs> seed that's going to produce another human. Because he's about 100 years old. I don't hear too much about 100 year old men having a big family. Now, some of them could. He did. You know. 
And I think his wife was 90. I think that's right. Somewhere around there when she finally had Isaac. Now notice this is, this is, this is the opposite of what we read over in James. Where you waver. If I remember right, I think it was about 25 years almost of standing in faith to believe God for the promised seed. Think about that, 25 years. We get concerned if we have to stand two days. Now, I don't think it has to be 25 years, but I'm just giving, he's our example of faith. You just keep standing. If God said that to you and God wasn't playing with you and you heard him right, then it's coming to pass if you'll get an agreement. So when Abram changed his name, God changed it to Abraham then he's the father of many nations. And he would tell people, what's your name? My name's Abraham. I'm the father of many nations. He didn't have to say that. That's what it meant in the Hebrew. And he called himself that, and other people called him that. Hey, Abraham. He owned the whole county, so there were people calling on him, you know, different reasons. And every time he heard, that's father of nations, father of nations, father of nations, father of nations. How long do I got to keep it up? How about forever? What else you got to do that's worthwhile? I mean, really, you just need to call yourself healed, call yourself well, call yourself mentally sound, call yourself strong. <coughs> We're going to get into strength in just a minute. I'm getting wound up myself here. Hey, he said he didn't look at his own body, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. She'd never produced anything out of that womb. She's 90 years old. That's a long time to be married to a man and not have produced anything and for both of them. Of course, Hebrews 11, of course, Hebrews talks about Sarah. She believed God and called him faithful to what God told her. See, here's two people that got to believe God to get it together. And so it says he staggered not at the promise of God. That's, that's the problem. Sometimes we give people the promise and then they stagger it. No, oh, I don't know. Through unbelief. Well, how could that be? Where's you know, you want to believe God for something beyond where you How could he ever bring that to pass? Well, if he told you to believe him, believe him. You don't have to figure out how it's coming to pass. You just need to know that God told you something. I mean, when I hear God on something, I mean, I know. I mean, you know, I, I wasn't planning to pastor in this city or stay around here my whole life, and here I am. Because God told me coming back from a Bible study up in... Up, uh, up the road there while he's coming back down 64. Michael, I want you to start a church for me in this city. Will you do that? And I said, yes, sir. I'm just in the car by myself. I could have sworn, I sort of, if I looked over, I'm going to see him there. That's what I thought because it's so real. But I didn't see him, but I knew it was him speaking to me. And then after I said I'd do it, he told me later on, you're not my first pick. I said, oh, brother. <laughs> He's done enough to edify me. He don't, I don't have to be his first pick. Anyway, it's evident we knew how to stand. Here we are 37 years later. All right, so we're looking at this. Uh, it says, he didn't stagger at the promise of God through him, but was strong in faith, strong in faith. So you can be weak in faith or strong in faith. And you have to do these things that Abraham did because he's telling us in verse 12, we should follow the steps of Abraham. It'd be smart to follow somebody that's already done this <laughs> and done it well. Maybe it took him his lifetime, but hey, he accomplished what God told him. And he didn't do everything right. You know, he did lie about some things. He must have had a good looking wife, that's all I know, because he, the king got him and put her in his harem. The king, the, the not, you know, he didn't like that. 
And he was going to sleep with her, and the Lord woke him up in a dream and said, If you touch this man's wife, you're dead. And then he came to Abraham and said, Why did you do this to me? He said, Well, she's beautiful, and I thought you would kill us and take her anyway. I mean, I'm adding that in. I don't know that he thought that, but he probably did. Mm -hmm. But you could be strong in faith. And maybe that caused him to be strong in faith after he got out of that situation. I better quit lying. Giving glory to God and being fully persuaded. Here's where I was going with this. I've got a lot more to say to you. I've been going a while, but it's not hurtful. And being fully persuaded. This is Abraham. He was fully persuaded. And the Weymouth is the best translation that I know of this. For He said he was absolutely certain. You know, I remember that. I remember that. Jordan's sitting here today, 33 years old. Is that right? And mom was pregnant with, with him. And we went back to see the doctor. He examined my wife, said, I want to see you both in my office right away. So my wife, you know, finished getting dressed and everything. We went in there and sat down. He said, I tell you, you got some problems. And it's placenta privia. That's the placenta is attached over the cervix, which is the place the baby's supposed to come out. And he says that never detaches and reattaches to any other place inside a woman. So if you make it to nine months, which he said, I don't know, you may bleed out, you may lose the baby, da da da. I mean, he's a doctor. He's telling us everything in the natural. I didn't try to argue with him. Don't you know who we are? I was there to listen to him and get his instruction as a doctor. So, and then he said, do you both understand what I've said? And we said, yes, sir, we think we do. And he said, well, you know, I'm just telling you what I see in the ultrasound and what I felt in my hands, and I just know these things. I deliver babies every day. And I said, yes, sir. And so we went out in the hallway, and I grabbed my wife, and I said, let's go to the stairwell over here. I opened the stairwell door, and it went boom. It's all concrete and steel. It sounded like that to me, boom. I looked at her, and I said, I got this. Now, I didn't know I had it until the doctor's talking. And the Lord said, you take authority over this and talk to your wife privately. Don't argue with the doctor. I'm not in there to argue with him. And I said, I, got, I don't even need you to believe, honey. I got this. I'm telling you, I got it. And I looked at her belly and pointed my finger. I said, that's my seat in there. And it'll be as I say. And there'll be nothing wrong with this child. And he'll come in the time appointed of the father. And you'll have it the way God created a woman to have a child. Amen. Come on. But then I had to fight for him for nine months. Because some days I'd come home, she'd be laying on the couch, feet elevated, say, honey, I've had a lot of problems today, bleeding and da-da-da. I say, in Jesus' name, you have to stop. It's going to be as I say, and I say, this child, <laughs> you know, went through my rigmarole. Based on the word, what I knew God had told me, to fight for my child. And I'm just so glad I did. Here he sits. Hallelujah. And now i got a little granddaughter too. Hey. All right. So it says he was absolutely certain that what God had promised him, he was able to perform. Let's look at a couple other things here before we close it out. I know. I hope this is okay. I hope you're following me. Let's look, look at a couple thoughts here that I want to give you. First of all, Psalm 105 and verse 37. Now, <clears throat> Psalm 105 Verse 37, <clears throat> excuse me, um, <clears throat> tremendous scripture. This is about bringing out the people of Israel. Before I read this, remember Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 8, verse 6? 
It's one of my favorite verses. No, you're not. We have a better covenant on better promises. So everything I look up in the Old Testament, this is Old Testament, it's going to talk about Israel back under Egypt's control and how they came out. This covenant is weaker than my covenant. Our covenant is the best that there is. The new covenant in his blood, in Jesus' blood. Not the blood of a bull or goat or a heifer or nothing. It's the blood of Jesus, Son of God. All right, but he says this, he brought them forth, verse 37, Psalm 105, verse 37. He brought them forth also with silver and gold, so there's your prosperity. And there was not one feeble person among their tribes. And you say, well, how do you know that's got to do with us? Because if they had that under a lesser covenant, there would be that provision under a better covenant, or it wouldn't be better. But this, this, this little phrase here, there was not one, one feeble person among them. I recently bought a book that's got about 160 translations in it. I've never read some of these translations before. I want to read this, this one verse to you. Thinking about healing. Thinking about health and healing in the church. The local church of Jesus Christ. And I can't believe preachers would stand up and say, we never know what God's going to do. Mm, Going to have a lot of burying to do is what you're getting. A lot of hospital visitation. It says here, here's another translation of that verse. There were no invalids. Among his tribes. Here's another translation. There was no one among his tribes stumbling. There was not an infirm person among their tribes. There was not a man in his tribes that became faint. There was none of them stumbled or fell behind. Not one was left behind for God for all were blessed with health. There was not a sick one among their tribes. They were enriched with vigorous health. These are all different translations of this one verse. Now, if they could come out of Egypt several thousand years ago under a lesser covenant and not have even one feeble person among them, (laughs) there was no one among their tribes who was weak. And there was none was sick in the lineage of them. And that's not every translation I have of that. I just read the ones I highlighted because I thought they were just so excellent. Sometimes it helps us to find other things like that. Not one infirm person among them. Now, you know, Moses was already 80 when he came out. He lived another 40 years. But anyway, we're just talking about some things here. And there were young people. There was teenagers. There was uh, babies being born as they went. And there was middle-aged people and people with families and, you know, things... But there was not one feeble person or infirm or sick or weak or stumbling or an invalid among their tribes. Now, I'm not saying that to put anybody under condemnation. I'm saying that we need to all reach as a church for a church says walking in divine health and divine power and divine strength. If they could have that under that covenant, how much more under this better covenant? All right. Now, let's think about something here just for a minute here. Since we're back here, let's go over to Proverbs 19 and verse 21. I'm still talking about healing tonight. And I I hope you're following me okay. I've got two or three things to say in closing. I've already been going for 48 minutes. But these are things you've got to settle. Listen, I'm not going to be in strife with people. Even if they lie about me and say ugly things. Natural response is wanting to defend myself. But, you know, I've just figured out over a long period of time it doesn't do me any good. 
just messes me up. I've met people that hated their parents. And husbands that hated their ex-wives and vice versa. That's not a good way to live. You're going to be sick and eventually it's all going to catch up with you. You're tearing down your own barriers by doing these things. And you've got to be right about everything. I don't have to be right about everything. See, I just got to do what God told me to do and not get in arguments with people. But I want to show you when it comes to health and stuff here in Proverbs 19.21. Look at this with me closely. There are many devices in a man's heart. In other words, there's different ways you could go in the situation you're in. Nevertheless, the counsel of the Lord, that shall stand. And I would say it this way in a simple way. Once I found out what God's will was for me concerning anything of importance in my life that I prayed about, and I knew it was him speaking... I just never turn loose of it. I just never turn loose of it. Tempted to. But then I felt like I was dishonoring Jesus by, he told me I was going to do this and I'm fighting against that because what's people going to say? I've loved Jesus a long time, beloved. 50 years now, at least, come December. And I thought, you know, I was trying to do my best to live for him and teach the Bible. But I tell you, when I got some money, I saw the fangs come out on the body of Christ concerning me. People were mad. They were hot mad. I had a nice car first time in my life. Who gave you that? What makes you think you could do that? Because I have the money to do that. Because God told me he would take care of it and pay for it. And he did. Amen. That's it. Praise God. See, but see, that would shock a lot of people. I'm not trying to show off to anybody. I'm not trying to impress people. If I'm doing that, I'm already in bad shape. Impressing people about anything. Better quit that stuff. But I'm trying to do what God told me to do. And what he allowed me to do. This car pulled up in a hotel I was staying at. A lady got out and gave the keys to the bellman. And the Lord said, when she comes inside, you just go walk around the car. Don't open the doors. It's not your car. But you can go up close and look in it. And I did, and I said, man, I like that. And the Lord said, well, when you get back to Louisville, drive one. And I'm like, a lot of people would have been, oh, you're kidding. (laughs) No, he wasn't kidding, and I knew he wasn't kidding. I knew him down here. He said, yeah, if you want it. And then I drove it, and the Lord said, if you want it, buy it. I'm glad I did, but, boy, I thought, boy, I got persecuted big time. I mean, I thought it was bad when I spoke in tongues. I thought it was bad when I believed in divine healing. But that's no comparison to having a little money and buying something that's nice. I noticed nobody that had a car like that criticized me. But I'm not trying to put on the dog for anybody. Yeah. But I'm not talking just about finances. I'm saying there's many things in your heart that you could remedy to move through something. You just need to figure out what God's telling you to do. If the doctor says you're not going to have this surgery, you're a dead man in six months. You have to make a decision then. If he's a knowledgeable person and he knows what he's doing naturally, and you not have faith to turn it, then we're just going to have to order flowers. I'm not being mean to you. I'm just trying to help you to see. Maybe you should consider using your faith to find the right doctor to do the proper procedure or maybe do a little more investigating about what that is that you're dealing with. Is there any other way to do this? Is there a better way to do it? Is there an easier way to do it? 
Is there a better thing in me that, God, you want me to do about it? Ask him. He'll talk to you about it. He really will. I mean, it's, he'll give you advice. But the counsel of the Lord, that shall stand. Once he told me to start this church, I've never turned back. I told a Bible study I'm going to start a church. Nobody signed the thing. I said, here's the way you can sign up if you want to be a part of it. Nobody signed it. It was Brank when I got it. So it's just me and Diana and the children at first. But we're just going to do it. Here we go. <laughs> All right. Listen, find what the counsel of the Lord is for you. Find out what the counsel of the Lord is for you. That's important. And that will stand. The, the, the kind of the way that's worded, it shows me maybe something's going to try to pressure me to not stand. <laughs> but I can stand knowing I heard from God this is what he said to do. I didn't say it's all easy, but it can be done. Now, let's, let's talk for just a minute or two about a couple of things that I think is important to you. Uh, <clears throat> How about this? We're talking about what not to do. you got to stop worrying. Especially if you're dealing with symptoms. Go to Philippians 4. Hey, uh, can you guys put up a verse for me from the back? It's the Amplified Bible of uh, Philippians 4. And verse, let me find my reference, 6 and 7 from the Amplified. But I wanted to make this comment before we read it. Philippians 4, 6 and 7 from the Amplified. Worry stops the healing power. When you're worried about something and you, you know, you're, you're more worried than you are in faith when you get up here, that's not going to work. You're going to have to deal with that worry. Well, how do I deal with it? You deal with it just like you deal with anything. Get in your Bible. I'm going to go over it again. Have a close personal relationship with Jesus. Number two, get yourself in a position where you can hear him talk to you. You don't need somebody else telling you how to live. You just need Jesus to tell you how to live and what to do and not do. And you'll be, you'll be a, a winner sure enough. Amen. But you can't, worry will stop the healing power from working in you. Okay, if you have it, thank you. Be not anxious or worried about anything. <laughs> I don't know how I can pay for that. Oh, see, what am I going to do about this? Well, don't be anxious and worried about anything, but in everything, every circumstance and situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, continue to make your specific requests known to God. Notice now, you're going to talk to God about your thing you desire, the thing you request, not the problem. When you tell God it's not working, He's not listening. <laughs> Why would He listen to unbelief? I got that from Brother Copeland. He said, Lord, what do you do with all that unbelief that comes up? He said, what unbelief? I don't hear unbelief. I only hear faith. Amen. So if you're taking the problem before God, I don't know what to do about this. I don't, you're praying the problem continuously. It's getting worse, Lord. It's getting worse. Well, God's still got a way to get you through that or out of that or whatever it takes to get you on the other side of that if you'll pray the answer. Hey, for three years now, I mean, it seems like, you know, I shut down my ministry in a lot of ways. I don't know if you paid attention or even care, but I did yes. for three years. Yes, and I've made the same amount of money I had. Yeah, Money's come in. Partners have helped me. I didn't, I've never sent an appeal letter. If you don't give, I'm going under. No, I didn't. Right. 
I don't do stuff like that. I am not forcing you to do anything or any other person that likes me. I don't operate like that. I'm not the devil. I don't put pressure on people. I put the pressure on the Word. And the Word comes through. You supply all my needs according to your riches and glory, not according to my bank account. So, Father, I think you're going to help me during this time. And he has. Listen, this is important about not worrying. What about my future? What about it? Why don't you pray it out? I'm praying about the next five or ten years right now before I'm into those years. Well, don't you just have to wait on it? Why? Who said you had to wait on it? Doesn't it say in John 16, 13, Jesus said to, Jesus said to me, Michael, that I will show you things to come. Yes. <laughs> yeah. He's showing me things to come and I pray about them before I get there. And he's showing me not just the bad things to come, he shows me the other things that are coming. All right, in verse 7, this said, And the peace of God, the peace that reassures the heart. Oh, thank you. The peace which transcends all understanding. That peace which, peace which stands guard over your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus is yours. In the Greek New Testament where it says stand guard, it's, like a, it's, it's involved in like a, 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 like a, what do you call that? Like a fort. And it, it just you got something guarding you all the way around you like a big circle and you're in the middle. That is if you do what verse 6 said, don't be anxious about anything. Listen, God's got a way to get you through whatever you're dealing with. And me too. And I sure wouldn't talk a lot to other people who don't know what they're talking about. I'm just being honest with you here. So I'm going to go over these next two real quick and I'll be be ready to close this, okay? Is that all right? So we kind of learned to have no worry. No worry. No worry. You remember Baloo the bear? You remember him? And Mowgli? And he's floating down the river on the bear's belly. And he said, and there's a little bee going by. He said, if you're working like that, you're working way too hard. It was a, that's a spiritual lesson, lesson for you. I know people like that. They just talk, 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 and they don't ever say nothing. Of meaning to me. You got to quit worrying. Got to get that worry off of you. Take authority over it. I take authority over worry in the name of Jesus. How do you do that? Just like I just said, I take authority over you worry in the name of Jesus. Then find some scriptures from the Bible. And we found this one right here. Verse 7, you'll have peace that guards your mind. Some people need their minds guarded from other things getting in it that try to mess up people. These are just things I've learned over the years. And then here's another one here. Um, No fear. Philippians 128 in the Amplified from the back, please, if you can do that for me. Uh, Philippians 128 when you get a moment for the Amplified Bible. Hallelujah. That guy looks pretty happy. (laughs) hallelujah and in no way be alarmed or intimidated yes in anything 
by your opponents. That would be the devil and his crowd. Sometimes this comes through people. Sometimes it, the devil just works to stir up things sometimes. But anything by your opponents for such constancy and fearlessness on your part is a clear sign and proof and seal for them of their impending destruction. But a clear sign for you of deliverance and salvation. Hallelujah. Praise God. Think about that. Don't let anything upset you. Hallelujah. So what we're talking about here, we're talking about uh, not being afraid. How about Psalm 34.4 from the King James Bible? You could put it up for me if you don't mind. This is the King Jimmy. That would help us a little bit here. And I found this verse one time. I thought, well, I didn't think like that before I saw that verse. Psalm 34.4 from there. I sought the Lord and he heard me and he delivered me from most of my fears. <laughs> he delivered me from all my fears. Yeah, all my fears. It's a terrible thing to live your life in fear. Amen. Yeah. I determined I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that for any other human being. I'm not going to do it for myself. I'm not going to be afraid. You just have to settle some things. I, I hope I'm making sense to you. And I, it didn't get settled in a 10-minute prayer meeting. But after a period of time of learning the word and staying with the word and going back to it and back to it, how long do I have to keep doing that? As long as it takes. Amen. <laughs> You've got to get convinced you don't have to be afraid and he will deliver you from all your fears. Amen. All of them. Amen. I wonder what it would be like to live a life with no fear. I think, you know, listening to the news and everything, of course, I've felt that for a long time. The news people, man, they are messed up. They are messed up. They only tell me something that's already happened. God tells me things that are coming to pass and are out in my future. And then they don't give me any answers. I'm just talking. And everybody's fussing with each other. No fear. Let that be your slogan. No worry, no fear. Yeah, but I don't know what to do. Well, stay with God. Stay with the Bible. Have a personal relationship with Jesus. Where you know him personally. And you walk with him personally. I didn't tell this part, but my wife and I were in the hospital since Thursday. And we ministered, I think, to three or four nurses. Ministered and prayed for them. I prayed for my doctor. I told you that. The doctor we have at the current time. And so, you know, i am just got my care rolled on God. What about your wife? Well, we got our cares rolled on God. I didn't say it was easy. And I'm not going to tell you all the ins and outs because there's no reason to do that. We just live by faith. Are you listening to me or are you paying attention? No, and I love my wife. I love the things of God. And we just talked this out and worked it out and we're just doing what we need to do at this point. It could change at any moment. You understand what I'm saying? Listen, listen. And I don't mean any disrespect by saying this. Doctors, preachers, none of us are God. You just need to hear from God. And if we decide to do something different, then that's our business, not your business. I'm just talking. You decide to do something, that's your business. Unless you want my counsel, then I'm not going to give it. Unless I think it's going to kill you, I might say, hey, you might want to think about that and pray a little further. If I felt that. 
I certainly wouldn't, you know, I'm not joking about things like this. I'm living in the reality of things. But everything you're dealing with can be handled with prayer and with God's help. And I'll help you all I can if I can help. All right. So we're getting rid of fear. We're getting rid of worry. How do you do? Well, you've got to work on it every day sometimes. Hallelujah. All right. Let's, let's see here. Let's look at... Uh, Let's look at Romans again, chapter 1. This is one, I wrote a book on this, you know, a while back, Impartations, Divine Rescues. And I didn't even get to my stuff on strength. Maybe next week I will, but I'm thinking maybe I might talk about angels next week. They work with me in the healing ministry. And that doesn't mean they're not here tonight, too, to help us, but I may talk a little further about it to help you understand because I think when most people, even though we've, I've taught it personally a lot, I don't think most churches understand it very well. I have a son that I gave him a word in a meeting in another state, and God's given you an angel to help you build that building. He said, you know, Dad, I got a hold of that when you said that. I went back home, and my gosh, everything's worked out. Here we are. And, you know, to build the building is about triple the cost right now. But it, he's not worried about it. He's just Amen. building it as he goes. But you've got to put your angels to work, too. This is not fairyland. This is not Walt Disney World. This is Jesus Christ and his covenant with us. And I'm not saying that smart eloquently. I'm just saying that we know some things and we've got to take advantage in the right way of what's available to us. Amen. You know, the angels are sent to help us provide for us and help uh, deliver us from evil and help guard us so that we don't even scuff our shoe up. And they'll do that as long as you tell them to do it and you believe for them to do that in your life and walk up right before the Lord. You get out of fellowship with God, be quick to repent, jump back over in there. <laughs> you understand the meaning of that? And that? You don't want to go further out in darkness. You want to drop, drop back into the light. Amen. Yeah. All right. Now, Romans 1, 11 and 12, I'll read that and then we're going to pray for you if, you if you'd like me to. And I love you and I'm trying to hope this got some. We didn't go over every scripture on healing. My gosh, that's a massive thing. But we're just trying to tell you, I'm trying to knock some things out that cause people to miss the blessing. Yes, sir. You know, some people get so consumed with things uh, that's, that's on them that they can't hardly think straight. Now, I'm not making fun. That's a reality. You've got to deal with that in your mind. You have to take authority sometimes over your own thinking and over your own flesh and say, quit acting that way. I'm going to get this together here and move with God more solidly in this and realize he's got a way to put you over. Yeah, he's got a way to put us all over. I'm telling you, praise God. And I'm not being rough on doctors either because I thank God for them. Most of us would be dead if we hadn't had them. But the point I'm making is you just have to realize that God's got a plan for you too. And if it involves a doctor, go see a doctor. And don't throw your faith down because you go see a doctor. I learned this 30 years ago and I practice it. If I go and have something done on me, or get some help, and they say, take this medication for 10 days, three times a day. Then I take the medication for 10 days, three times a day. If that's what they told me to do that's going to help me, yeah. I don't throw them in the trash, the pills. Yeah. No, I take them. Yeah. And I don't let the devil beat me up. How many are listening to me? Yes, yeah, I had a real problem with my eyes a while back. I've told this story before. I'm going to tell it again. I think it might help somebody here tonight. I don't know who it would be. 
But, you know, I had cataracts growing and I was believing for five years for them to get smaller and they got larger and larger. And I went to the Lord and I said, Lord, I, I'm, you know, I'm kind of frustrated right now, not with you, but with me. And I'd like you to explain to me why something hadn't changed in five years. Well, here's why it hadn't. You got your faith on this, your faith on that, your faith on that, and your faith on that. And you stretch your faith out as far as it'll go. And that doesn't include your eyes. This is what you ought to do, Michael. Listen, are you listening to me? I want to tell you. He said, find the right surgeon. Go talk to them about it and let them fix you and I'll pay for it. Then I went and found a surgeon. He was in my optomical group or whatever he's called. Optometry, you know, the guy, not the regular guy I go to, but his surgeon, which is over the whole thing. And I went to see him and he knew exactly what I needed and said he could do it. I said, that'd be great. What are you trying to accomplish? And I told him, he said, okay, that would do it for you. They're not called this, the Big Daddy Lenses. That's what they called it at the place. <laughs> but even getting that done, uh, the day after I had surgery, I had to go back and let them check me. They said, we can't believe it. You're reading 2015. The day after surgery, your eyes should be swollen in there where they cut with a laser, put a new lens in there and stuff. And the same thing happened the next week. And they said, we call you the bionic eye guy. <laughs> The nurse and the and the not the surgeon, but his daughter that works there. That's a you know whatever you call her. She said that's amazing. Said you know how'd you do that? And I said well your dad's a surgeon and I got a father too that took care of me. He said it never usually it might be 2050 or 2060 and then it comes down to 2020. But you're reading it 2015 the day after surgery. That's it's impressive. I said well I don't take credit for it. I just tell you your dad and <laughs> and God and he paid for it. I don't mean you want a hot check down there, but I mean he took care of giving me the money. Amen. I don't want you to get weird on me, go writing hot checks. God's taking care of this. You're going to jail, you know? <laughs> yeah. But see, your faith, this is what I'll say to you in saying all of that. Some of you think your faith is just, it's infinite. I don't know anybody like that. That's normal. I mean, Brother Hagin said he had faith, but he had his faith on so many projects. Evelyn, his wife, or I got the wrong guy. That was Brother Oral's wife. I don't remember what Kenneth Hagin's wife was named. What's her name? Aretha. He said, honey, if I put my faith on those curtains, that curtain rod, and the curtain's all coming down. He said, I'm stretched as far as I can go. You'll have to handle that yourself. Well, she got in faith and believed for it and got new curtains. Hallelujah. So your faith is only able to handle so much when you're at that level. And then if you get more faith in things, then you could do better. They said George Mueller, when he first started believing God, the one with all the orphanages in England, I don't know how many hundreds and thousands of kids he adopted, took in off the street to feed them. Said, I, it took me everything I could believe for $1 back in that day. But now that I'm 50 years been praying, I can believe for a million dollars as easy as I believe for one 50 years ago. See, his faith, he got his faith working and built on it and built on it and built on it. Your faith can grow. Here we go. Romans 1, 11 and 12. For I long to see you. That's why I'm here tonight. I long to see you. Jordan said, Dad, I think you could help us with your healing ministry. If you come preach to us a couple nights and help, I said, I'd be glad to do it. For I long to see you that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift or out of my mantle or out of my endowment. The Greek says that. 
in, uh, it says some spiritual gift. That word means spiritual endowment, a miraculous faculty, a deliverance, or a rescue. He says, to the end that you may be established. That is, that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. So we're looking at this because that's what we want to do. We want to help people with the faith we do have. Hallelujah. Thank you for joining us today. To view Dr. Jacob's travel itinerary, order products, and more, please visit cotrin.org slash mjm.